0: Thank you, team. Amen. What a joy it is to come and be in this place. Doctor Newsom, thank you for uh, all of the work, including the pulpit work. Amen. Thank you so very much for the invitation. And uh, Clint, thank you. Now, do I understand this is your daughter in the middle, with and your son? Well, I, I'm I'm not in charge here. I'm I'm just a guest. But you need to turn that little girl loose and let her wail one night. Amen. Bless God. Wow, what a great, great voice, all of this team. uh, Thank you again uh, for the invitation to come and be in this place tonight and in the morning. If you've got your Bible, I want you to take it and go to the last book of the Old Testament in the book of Malachi and find the second chapter. I have uh, a life verse. And a ministry verse that I've kept for almost 50 years now in in my life, uh, my life verse came from Dr. Stephen Olford, uh, Galatians 2.20. And oh, that uh, little preaching machine, oh my goodness, what a preacher. He touched my life one night in Birmingham, Alabama. I was sitting on the top row of the balcony of the old Central Park Baptist Church And he preached on the flooded heart. And God dealt with me. I sat on seven songbooks so I could see over the rail. The place was packed. And I got to know him later. And uh, they uh, allowed me to preach with him at the Alabama Baptist State Convention one year. And uh, I was scared out of my mind. I, I was absolutely scared to death. And I was in the green room. And the door opened and Dr. Olford came in. And I looked up and he said, Lad, and he'd roll his eyes, that like Welshman would. He'd say, Lad, I'd be sitting on the front row. You will not have a bigger fan in all the church house tonight than Miss Heather and myself. Man, I felt like I could run through a brick wall after he got <laughs> finished with me. And Galatians, uh, that Galatians 2, 20 passage of crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, let not I, but Christ lives in me In the life that I now live, I live by faith, the Son of God loved me and gave himself for me. I, I try to live by that and I'm going to talk about it just a little bit, but my ministry verse, I've just sensed that's where I needed to go tonight. And so uh, I want us to look right there in uh, Malachi chapter 2 and again uh, to our uh, Kasky director, I am grateful uh, for the invitation uh, when Blake called and asked me to come. I said, Well, what's going to happen? He said, Dr. Robert Smith will be there. I said, Man, I'll be there. I, I'm coming. I only have one prerequisite, and that is I preach first. <laughs> if I preach second, I'm going home. All right, I, I'm telling you. So uh, I, I am uh, going to be in a hurry because I can't wait to sit where you are to hear all. Olive Baptist Church's favorite guest preacher that we've ever had over at our place in Pensacola. Oh, my, to preach the stars out of their sockets. Uh, Doc, it's just great to be with you again. You bless me every time, just one-on-one. I love this dear man who teaches and preaches the Word of God. But in Malachi chapter 2 tonight, uh, we'll begin there in verse number 1. Read down through my ministry verse, which is verse number 6. Listen now, because this indeed is the word of our great God. And now this commandment is for you, O priests. If you do not listen and if you do not take it to heart and give honor to my name, says the Lord of hosts, and I will send the curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings, and indeed I have cursed them already because you are not taking it to heart. Behold, I'm going to rebuke your offspring, and I will spread refuse on your faces, the refuse of your feasts, and you'll be taken away with it. Then you will know that I have sent this commandment to you, that my covenant may continue with Levi, says the Lord. My covenant with him was one of life and peace, and I gave them to him as an object of reference. So he revered me and stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth. Unrighteousness was not found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and he turned many back from iniquity. Father, I ask that you'd take these lips of clay and for just these next moments, send a word to us, speak your word through this preacher to those that have ears to hear. I pray for our conference time together tonight, tomorrow. Renew us, revive us, and equip us to be on mission. Make us to be priests with a heart for you. In Jesus' name, amen. From 1727 to 1750, Jonathan Edwards was the pastor of the Northampton Church in Boston. When he left there, and it was after revival, but it was really not a pleasant leaving, yet they loved him. On the soundboard above him, they did not have this electronic amplification, let alone over both ears. They had the board and the voice would bounce off of that out. To the congregation and on that sounding board when Edwards left the Northampton church they placed a plaque Jonathan Edwards Northampton church 1727 1750 true instruction was in his mouth unrighteousness was not found on his lips he walked with God in peace and uprightness and he turned many back from iniquity you come to Pensacola, Florida, and you stand at the pulpit where I preach Sunday by Sunday, you'll see a little brass plaque with that verse on it that my deacons placed there on my 25th anniversary as the pastor. Never been as humbled in all my life that they would put that there. It is my ministry verse, and I just want to kind of unpack it to you tonight underneath the theme of of the minister's priorities. The pastor or the minister, uh, whatever vocation you'd be in the church, the priorities of the minister. So let's look at them four in front of us. Number one is what I call the priority of exposition. True instruction was in his mouth. Paul said to Timothy, preach the word. Not what you think. Preach the word. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and with doctrine. Be ready in season and out of season. And beloved, we are now in out of season. But we dare not step back from preaching the word. You must reprove. That is convictive work. You must rebuke. That is corrective work. You must exhort. That is constructive work and the manner you do it with is long suffering. And the method that you use is the doctrine of the word of God preach the word exposition. I'm sitting that night. Dr. Olford is preaching. I'm on the top row. I'm getting ready to drive from Birmingham back home to my mother and daddy's house. And when I got back that night late into the evening, my mother asked, where have you been? I said, I've been to a Bible conference. And she said, was it good? I said, I heard a man tonight preach like I've never heard a man preach. She said, what did he do? I said, I don't know. But what he did is what you're supposed to do every time you preach. I said, he called it expository preaching. I said, mother, I don't even know what that means. It sounds like something that the doctor does to you, but I I don't know. But what he told us is that he was supposed to expose the Bible to the people of God and expose the people of God to the Word of God, and he called it exposition. I would later learn a little bit more about expository preaching and try to learn from Dr. Olford and many others of just bringing the Word of God to the people of God. That's why the pulpit's in the middle of the building. It's why it's up high. It's there so we can preach the Word. Whatever you do, have a priority of exposition, of exposing your people to the Word of God in the Sunday school class, in the preschool, wherever it is that you bring the Word to them. Have true instruction in your mouth. My grandmother, on my mother's side, Lecter Bowman, I did her funeral a few years ago. She was an independent, premillennial, fundamental, KJV, only piano playing gospel singing Baptist on the top of sand mountain in Alabama. Her husband died at 50. I remember that funeral just barely as a little boy. And when God called me to preach 52 years ago at 17, grandmother Bowman called me to her house. I went over to her little apartment and she sat me down and she had a large Bible. I, it, it would be or at least three times as large as this Bible I'm preaching out of. Big book. And she laid it in her lap, and she looked at me, and she said, Son, that's what she called me when she wanted to get my attention. She said, Son, this is the book. I said, She said, Hush, you don't even know enough to talk. (laughs) She said, This is the book. And we don't care what you think. We want to know what does the book say? Amen. I said, "What?" Well, she said, hush, son, you, you don't even know. Just listen for a few minutes. She said, we're starving to know what's in the book. We, we need you to expose the book to us. Yeah. Bring us the book. When I walk into here tonight and get this book out of that satchel over there, I look around thinking, is she here? <laughs> I, I know she's dead and gone to heaven. I buried her, but I can't get away from grandmothers. Yes. Don't, don't ever forget, ladies and gentlemen, we are in the business of exalting King Jesus. And he gave us a manuscript and we should expose this manuscript to the people. You do not have true instruction in your mouth unless you've got this book in your mouth. Lead with the priority of exposition. Secondly, uh, this text speaks of a priority of ethics. Unrighteousness was not found uh, on his lips. Uh, He tells us down in verse 7 that the lips of the priest should preserve knowledge and seek instruction. If he's a messenger of the Lord of hosts, if you've turned aside, you've caused them to stumble. And these these priests were so wicked that as we read in the text, he said, I'm going to curse you and curse your offspring. He said, I'm even going to rub dung on your face. Now, for a priest to touch the refuse of the sacrificial system. He was unclean, but many of them would not claim themselves unclean and go through uh, the purification process. And God said, I'm going to let everybody know I'm going to rub it on your face. Mm. Mr. President, I've heard of having egg on your face before, but now this is a little different. All right. Now everybody's going to know in this text, you must be clean. Unrighteousness not found on your lips. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord our God, and he has called us to a life of holiness. Dear friends in ministry, guard your money. Guard your your marriage guard your morality. You you can lose your marriage and be the president of the bank, but you can't lose your marriage and stand behind this sacred desk. It's a higher calling. You you can be the president of the United States and and lose your marriage and lose your marriage and lose your marriage But you can't stand behind this desk. Unrighteousness not found on your lips. If if you are already married, oh my, guard that. Guard that. If you're not married, guard your search. Like most men, I believe I'm married to the greatest lady in the world. My, my. I found her walking across the cafeteria at Samford University. I saw her. I said, that? Wow. I quoted Samson. She looks good to me. (laughs) That's what Samson said. Amen. (laughs) And she, she was dating a singer. His name's Wayne. He's my friend even till today. And I went over to Wayne. He's in the cafeteria. I said, did I hear you date this? Yeah. I said, well, it's not going to work because I'm going to marry her. <laughs> now, I've not always been uh, humble and kind like I am now. I have had days of arrogance and forthrightness. And I wish I hadn't said that. But I was finding my lady. Amen. And when I told my daddy, I said, I'm going to ask Liz to marry me. And he said, do you think she'll say yes? I said, I do. He said, you better go ask her right now before she changes her mind, young man. I'm telling. (laughs) Oh, my daddy knew it was good. Amen. Oh, to love you, spouse. Unrighteousness not found. Gentlemen, if you've got a porn problem, get some help. Get some help. I'll bet you there's a counselor around here somewhere will help you. My grandmother's dead and gone. I'd just send you to see her. (laughs) She was not a counselor. (laughs) She'd just say, that's a sin. Stop it. That's, That's all. That was her counselor. We must be clean before the Lord. Who, who can ascend? Who can ascend to the hill of the Lord? But he that has clean hands, a pure heart, has not lifted up his soul in vanity, and he that has not sworn deceitfully. That's the man or woman that can ascend to the hill of the Lord. You, you must be clean. Guard your marriage, guard your morality, guard your money. Be very careful how you spend, what you do, what you don't. Pay your debts. You'll be asked asked to do two jobs full-time for part-time pay. But God will see you through. Yes, he will. I had a friend of mine one time that was pastoring a church, and he was in a parsonage. And when he left, they told him to leave it just like he found it. And he said, I went down and bought 10,000 cockroaches and put them in that house. To leave it just like I found it. Well, I don't know what you're going to find, but you, you be a man or a woman of honor when it comes till you find this. The priority of exposition, the priority of ethics. Thirdly is what I call the priority of encounter. He, He walked with me in peace and upright. Now listen to me. Walking with God in peace and upright, you must encounter God day by day by day. This is the prayer and fasting aspect of ministry. And if you do not have an ongoing daily time of seeking an encounter with God, repent and begin to cry out to God in prayer, to pray and pray and pray. Are you a ministry wife? Do you long for community and encouragement from like-minded women? Do you wish you were more prepared for all that you do? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I'd love to invite you to join Thrive, this is our Ministry Wives certificate program that prepares women for gospel ministry in their families, churches, and communities. Our eight-week classes can be taken on our New Orleans campus or online. You just choose whatever fits your schedule best. For more information or to apply, visit prepareher.com slash thrive. Several years ago, I. I had the privilege of going to Memphis, to Bellevue with Dr. Adrian Rogers for a weekend. And Dr. Dew, I stood over to the side when Dr. Rogers was coming out on the platform, and I asked him, I said, Pastor, what's the last thing you do before you go out to preach? And he said, That's easy. He said, I stand in my office all by myself and do three things. He said, I raise my hands first like a Pentecostal. That's the word he used. And he said, I praise King Jesus for all the good he's done in my life. For everything good I can think of, I praise him. He said, Ted, then I move my arms right out like this. And he said, I die to myself. I'm crucified with Christ. And then he said, I lift my hands like this and I say, 1 John 2, 20, 1 John 2.27, Oh, God, fill me with the unction. Fill me with the Krishna. Fill, fill me with the anointing of the Holy Ghost because I cannot do this work in the flesh. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the inner man. It's the inner man. You must guard the inner man. Don't walk in the flesh. We've got so many flesh pots. God, help us. (laughs) As Junior Hill used to say, they can walk on the stage and, and, and they can strut sitting down. Humble yourself. It's Jesus' favorite word in the New Testament quoted more than anything else. He said it three different times. The only thing that you find in the New Testament, Jesus said it on three different occasions, three times. He that humbles himself will be exalted. He exalts himself will be brought low. Walk in humility. Asking for the fullness. So over in the apartment where they have me staying, before I walked over here this afternoon, that... I pray this every, before I ever walk on a, I say, Lord, I need to get dead to Ted. The, the last thing my church needs is another Ted talk. All right. Uh, we've had too many Ted talks. All right. I, I get dead to Ted and then I say, oh God, I, I pray for your filling, your filling. I, I don't know if you've ever read RT Kendall's little book on total forgiveness, but if you hadn't, you ought to get that little book, RT Kendall from over in England days. He's a Kentucky man, but now in his 90s. and He writes about the dove that came down on Jesus and the dove remained. And in his book, he he says, remember when you sin, you don't lose your salvation. You don't lose the Holy Spirit, but you do lose the unction. And he says, when you sin and don't deal with it, the dove flies away. So I used that a few Sundays ago. I I used that as an illustration. I told our people that if you've got unconfessed sin, you've not dealt with it. Doesn't mean you're lost. You haven't lost your salvation. Doesn't mean the Spirit of God's not in you to redeem you and seal you, but the unction and the power. R.T. Kendall says you, you must keep a short account between your sin and your confession so that the dove will stay on you. I have two granddaughters. One is 10, one is eight. Elizabeth is the eight-year-old. She's the intellectual child. The day I preached on that, I came home, and we have Sunday lunch every Sunday at our house. And I walked in, and there was a box. I didn't see it, and I tripped over it, and I kicked it, and I said, who put that there? And I looked over to Elizabeth, and she looked at me, and she went. They are listening. I'm telling you, they are listening. I took that little girl. I said, honey, I'm so sorry. Papa should not have done that. Forgive me. Boy, every now and again, she'll just look at me just with one hand. (laughs) Encounter God. Make sure that you are walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. You cannot do this work. I don't care how smart you are. You cannot do this work. I care not how gifted you are. You cannot do this work without the touch and the unction and the anointing of God Himself. And if you will open your life, He will fill you and flood you. Friend, I'm not the smartest guy that ever went through Southwestern Seminary. I'm surely not the smartest guys ever in our graduating class in 1972 at Pisgah High School. As a matter of fact, I, I tell people that I was in the half of the class that made the top half possible. Amen. God takes little and will do much if he can get all of the little. But you got to die to yourself so that he can manifest himself through you. It's, It's the priority of encountering God with prayer and fasting and being in the word of God. Day by day, morning by morning. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. I'm just asking you, are you doing what you know? To walk in fullness. There's the priority of exposition true instruction. The priority of ethics, unrighteousness not found. There's the priority of encounter. He walked with God in peace and uprightness. And fourthly, there's the priority of evangelism. He turned many back from iniquity. All oh, we must be an evangelist. I love these shirts. The president's got one on. I asked him about it. The t-shirt. Yeah. To win the many. Amen. Out of first Corinthians. It's there. It's the, the theme of the kasky Center. That that we'd touch the world, that we'd win the many. Listen to me, if you're going to win the many, you must win one. So on Friday afternoon, I'm asking you to take a look at your soul and your calendar. Have you shared Jesus this week? The North American Mission Board has made popular gospel conversations. I love that. My college pastor did not like it. And so he has turned and challenged our college group to have 500, this year 500. He said, Pastor, we're not going to call them gospel conversations. We're going to call them Jesus talks. Because if you don't use his name, you've not shared the gospel. I said, well, it's semantics a little because the gospel is Jesus. He said, yeah, but we don't want to just talk church. We've got to get to Jesus. Amen? A soul winner. How shall we escape if we neglect? So great a salvation. How can America escape if we neglect it? How can our denomination escape if we neglect it? How can your home escape if you neglect it? How can you personally escape if you neglect so great a salvation? Oh, my. We need an urgency and a strategy to be sharing Jesus. His name is Brad. Clint, he's a former football coach, and now he's an administrator in a local school, and he's a big man. He could be a defensive tackle. He married a lady, started coming to our church. He's out of a Roman Catholic background. And I knew him and would talk to him a little, and several, several weeks ago, I was walking. He walked by me, and he looked down. He said, Pastor. Pastor. You're getting to me. I said, well, amen, praying for you. Next week, same thing. You're getting to me. But he didn't know what Holy Ghost conviction was. He just thought the preacher's getting to him. So three months ago, we now have out in the foyer of our place. I, I started doing a little different. I learned this from my friends at Nam. We have what's called the next steps room. And it's like the old cry room in revivals. You can go and talk to somebody. I still give a come forward invitation. I tell people I want to get them coming and going. So you can come forward or you can go to the back and talk with someone in the foyer. I'm still a gospel invitation giving preacher. I just believe that. I believe the gospel has an invite in it. And there's various ways to do that, but most often I have it here. And so I gave the invitation on a given Sunday and the people and whatever. And then I was standing out at the next steps. And here came Brad, standing looking right at me, down, looking because he's 6'4". And I said, I'm not saying a word. He just looked at me. I just looked at him. Oh, I so wanted to say, but I I just. And finally he said, Pastor, I think I need to go in there. Point to that next step through. I turned around and got an encourager, as we called them. They went in and led him to Jesus. I baptized him two weeks later. Took a lot of water to get that old boy under, I'm telling you. (laughs) He he displaced the baptistry. But the best part is that he's gotten into a small group with men. And last week, week four last on Good Friday, we did our Good Friday service at the church. And a group of men went down to the waterfront rescue mission to preach the gospel to those homeless and hungry men. Two or three deacons and Sean, our associate, said, anybody else want to go? Brad. He went. They preached the gospel. They baptized seven of those men in a horse trough on that good Friday night. I got to Easter morning. Old Brad came in. (laughs) He said, Lord, Pastor, the greatest night of my life. I said, What? He said, Those deacons took me with them, let me go. And we gave, and I got to talk to one of those guys about Jesus, and they baptized him. This old boy has just got a phys ed degree and coached all football all his life. He met Jesus at the next step station. Now he's a soul winner. And I'm here to tell you he's probably won more people in the last two weeks than most of my active deacons won this year. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that is why I got in this business. I I didn't get in this. Where I'm from, you get called to preach. That's all you get called to. All right. Now, I know there's many other things now. I've learned more. But where I'm from, you just get called to preach. And the reason I got in this is for Brad. I didn't get in it to go to Deacon's meet. (laughs) I went there last night. I didn't get in it to go to the. Ministry Village at Olive Board meeting. I went there Tuesday night. I didn't get in this to go to staff meeting. God help my soul. I do those things because it's part of it. I, 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 and I do like it. But what I love is transformation. And when that old boy comes down the aisle and I like it when men get saved and I like it when men get saved and I like it when they cry when they get saved. They don't have to, but I tell you this, they'll go home and nine out of 10 times, they'll win their wife and win their children when that man gets right with God. That's what we're, that's what Southern Baptists are all about. There's one reason we got all these churches together way back under all these hundred and something years ago. We didn't get it together, the fuss and kick and God help us we got together corporately and cooperatively to take the gospel to the world. True instruction, not unrighteousness. No, 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 no. Walking with God and turning many back from iniquity. If you want anybody... Junior Hill helped me. I don't have it. My wallet's in that bag. I keep two or three $100 bills in my wallet at all times. It's called my God pocket. And when I get that little Holy Ghost bump, I give $100 away with a gospel tract. Junior Hill taught me that years ago. It's not my money. I'm not that good. People give me this money, and I give it away. All right? Uh So I had a lady three weeks ago. I was sitting with an Alabama Baptist evangelist. We were in Birmingham. And, And I got that nudge. And I asked the lady, I said, we're going to pray for our meal. How can we pray for you? And Dr. Smith, she said to me, my cat's sick. Would you pray for my cat? I didn't know what to do with that, Doc. I, I... So I gave it to the evangelist. I said, you, you're all things to all people. I said, you pray for the cat, all right? But I said, I am going to give this lady. It is amazing how far kindness goes to open the door for the gospel. Just kindness. I go every, every Christmas Eve, We have a 4 o'clock, 6 o'clock, and 11 o'clock service. And every Christmas Eve, I go to Waffle House. And I go to eat, but I go to tip some lady that's got three kids and no husband and working all night. I go to tip somebody 100 bucks and share Jesus on Christmas Eve. I love Christmas Eve for that. And now I got people all over town doing it. We... The only hope, you heard the president, the only hope we got to Jesus. And he's not going away. You, you can put the preacher in jail, but you can't put the gospel in jail. You, you can tell us they got to shut the doors of the church, but you, you can't shut the door of the one who said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the door of life. You, can, you can't shut that. So turn him loose. Hallelujah. Just just turn him loose and watch him work. Yes. And he turned many back from iniquity. One last thing I'm doing. My daddy's gone to heaven. I preached his funeral four years ago. My daddy was lost. We lived at 23605 Diesel Street in Detroit, Michigan when I was born. You can tell by my accent I'm a Michigander. We just went there to work for Chrysler for a few years and then came home to Alabama. But an old Texas evangelist came to 23605 Diesel Street, knocked on the door, and came in and led Delton H. Trailer, Asked my daddy, led my daddy to Jesus. I took him back up there for a Tigers game a few years ago, and he took me to the church and took me to the back door, Dr. Smith. And he said, it's locked. But he said, you can look through this little one. See right up there? Right up there. He pointed. He said, that's where I was baptized. I gave my heart and life to Christ over down, just down the street. Came down here. Brother Kiefer received me. Brother Kiefer baptized me. He said, that's where I came to faith in Jesus. Boy, thank God for a Texas evangelist that went to Michigan. Shared the gospel of my daddy so he could share it with me. And the night I got called to preach, I went home. I told my daddy he wanted me to run that grocery store. I didn't want to run that stinking store anyway. But uh, I came home told him I was going to be a basketball coach. That's what I was going to do with my life. I, I was going to UCLA. I was going to take John Wooden's job. Amen. That's, that's my dream. Do you know how many people have been fired since he was there? I could have been one of those. I'm telling you. I went in and told my daddy, God's called me to preach. I was 17. Dr. Dew, my daddy looked at me and he gave me the greatest advice I've ever received. My daddy got led to the Lord, had a GED. He looked at me and he said, son, if you know what God's called you to do, you better get about doing it. Dear friend, if you know what God's called you to do, you better get about doing it. In Jesus' name. All the people of God said, amen Amen and amen. Thanks for listening to To Win the Many, a podcast of the Caskey Center at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. The Caskey Center for Church Excellence provides ministerial resources, including undergraduate and graduate scholarships for ministers serving Southern Baptist churches in Alabama, Indiana, Louisiana, Mississippi, Montana, and Wyoming. For access to additional resources or more information about our scholarship opportunities, visit our website at caskeycenter.com or nobts.edu.